الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم In the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful I testify that there is no true God worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is Allah's true slave and messenger May Allah والسلام, be upon the Prophet Muhammad his pure and noble family and the noble companions and those who follow them of righteousness until the day of resurrection we start now our class on the explanation of the book Bulugh al-Maram attaining the objectives concerning the evidences of the ordinances so the first uh, chapter and this book pertains to the book of Tahara which means purification the book of purification and what is Tahara? linguistically Tahara means Lugatan from a linguistic aspect of Tahara means purity or purification and legally from the Islamic perspective Al-Tahara means lifting the state of ritual impurity minor or major that prevents performing the prayers, the salah or deeds that require purification so the lifting first of all with the lifting of the hadath which is the state of ritual impurity or also lifting the non-hadath non-hadath meaning for example washing the hands after waking up from sleep so this is the second angle to it and the third angle is and the cessation or disappearance of filth by itself or removed by certain means this is the definition of al-tahara purity from the physical aspect more importantly there is the purification of the heart from associating partners to Allah in worship from shirk and from disobedience and from enmity and hatred to the believers and this is more important than the purity, the physical purity of the body and there can be no physical purity indeed with the existence of the filth of shirk second thing to remember is that al-tahara is an act of vacating is an act of vacating because it cleans the place before an accommodation can take place for example one cleans the house before furnishing it 
And that's why the scholars of Islam started their books with this book, which is the book of purification, the book of Tahara. Because it's an act of vacating before accommodating, known in Arabic, At-Takhliya Qabla At-Tahliya. And secondly, because acts of worship depend totally upon Tahara. Most importantly, the Salah. So it is the key for the prayers. And overall, the purity as came in the authentic hadith, Shatrul Iman is half of faith. Now we go, inshallah, to the uh, first hadith and it came under the title in the book Kitab al-Tahara the book of purification what is the meaning of book what is the meaning of book al-kitab linguistically al-kitab or a book is putting together compiling words and letters and statements and thus it will be that which is written in record. From a technical definition, it is what is written to inform others, or what is inscribed to be preserved. And when the scholars use this term, the book is in the sense that it means the collection of sections, chapters, and cases. So this is the definition of Al-Kitab, the book. Then, under that title, the book, came the chapter. And the first chapter is Al-Miyah, Babu Al-Miyah chapter on water and this encompasses the kinds of water meaning those that are pure and those that are impure and water could be rain water could be sea water could be from wells could be streams, could be from rivers. So, what is the definition of water? Water is It is the flowing substance. And it is the one of the most easiest things to access. Yet it is from the most precious at times of need then comes the hadith the first hadith an Abi Hurairah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu narrated Abu Hurairah may Allah be pleased with him who is Abu Hurairah Abu Hurairah is Abdullah bin Sakhar bin Sakhar 
he accepted Islam in the year when Khaybar was in the year of the conquest of Khaybar the Jewish town of Khaybar and he associated himself with the messenger of Allah وسلم, strongly taking hadith from him in fact he was full time associate in that respect preserving the hadith from the Prophet more than 800 people took hadith from him he may Allah be pleased with him used to make fatwa issue religious verdicts at the time of Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he was assigned as a governor of the city of Medina in the year 59 of Hijrah he lived for 78 years and was buried in Al-Baqi'ah now if one says no one is more close than Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu with respect to being associating with the Prophet sallallahu yes indeed but Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu may Allah be pleased with him reported only few from hadith why because people used to take directly from the Prophet and after the death of the Prophet you know that Abu Bakr was busy with the great responsibility of Khilafah of leadership and running the affairs of the Muslim state so then when we ask the question who reported more from the Prophet Abu Bakr or Abu Huraira the answer is regarding relating from the Prophet we have no doubt that Abu Bakr took the greatest share however in terms of reporting the hadith abundantly it was Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu may Allah be pleased with all of them so Abu Huraira related that qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fil bahr he said that the prophet sallallahu said concerning the sea huwa at-tahuru ma'uhu wal-hillu maytatuh its water is purifying tahur tahur you see how I pronounce it tahur with fatih on the ta and we will learn a benefit regarding this shortly its water is purifying and its dead animals are lawful meaning to eat so the word said regarding the sea, this term regarding the sea came from Al-Hafid bin Hajar, not from Abu Hurairah. 
But since Al-Hafiz made this book, uh, you know, in, in, in concise matters, he edited some things and in order to make it concise. There is a reason behind this hadith. There is a reason behind this hadith. And it is that some people came to the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and they said, O Messenger of Allah, we take the sea, and we don't have water, meaning to make wudu with, to make the ritual purity, purification. Can we use the sea water for wudu? Qala Nabi Sallallahu in response, this hadith which you heard, its water is purifying, and then he added, and that its dead animals are lawful. He didn't say yes, as you notice. He didn't say yes. But rather he said a statement. Its water is purifying and even added to that statement by saying and its dead animals are lawful to eat. Yet we know that the Messenger وسلم, if he was asked about this question, many times he would answer the like of this question, he would answer by yes. Like for the case when he was asked should we make wudu from after we eat camel meat his answer was yes. Here it signifies the answer signifies a shumul generality and comprehensiveness indicating that it is purifying and there is no need to be purified after using it meaning if it touches the body or it touches the garment then there is nothing necessitates that it will be washed because sea water came on these parts why? because itself is purifying and therefore it can be used for the purification from the ritual impurity the minor and the major and also to remove najasa filth so in his answer, At-Tahur Ma'uh, now you know, it is more general and comprehensive than simply saying yes. And if he would have said yes, na'am, then the meaning would be, use it for purification or make wudu with it. But in this general format that he gave, in just this uh, general statement, it was more comprehensive and there were also more benefits in this answer. So he added, he added, now this is the other benefit, he added the other thing which they didn't ask about. You see, they asked about the water. But he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, added something else. He added, and its dead animals are lawful to eat. And the mayta, al-hillu maytatuh, the mayta, meaning the dead animal, means the dead animal from the animals which live only in the sea and it doesn't mean that which dies in the sea for example if a, if a sheep drowns in the sea and dies then it is unlawful to eat haram so this maita here is added to is added to the sea in conjunction grammatically 
and therefore it's those which only live in the sea and therefore they are halal so the term at-tahur with the fatha fatha with the movement on the tah at-tahur is a name of the thing used in the purification and therefore it is the water in this, in this case like for example you say as-sahur is the name of the things that you take to eat before fajr time if a person was to fast the day after fajr so what is eaten as-sahur with fatih however suhur with dham is the act of eating and tuhur with dhamma tuhur is an infinitive or an infinitive noun and it refers to the al-fa'l the action so if some water is given to you in order to make wudu this water is called tahur cleansing, purifying or it is called wudu the act of making wudu is called wudu with the dham wu now from the benefits of this hadith the benefits of this, of this hadith come as follows our first benefit the great concern of the companions to learn the knowledge and to acquire the knowledge and this is clear from the narration concerning the reason behind this hadith when they asked they were keen about asking the Prophet and they were there is no doubt that they were the most keen of this ummah in this respect and there are so many things which they asked the Prophet ﷺ about and there, is also, there are also so many things which they didn't exceed the limit in asking even the Prophet ﷺ in matters that are of no benefit take for example the companions never asked the Prophet ﷺ about the how or the manner of Allah's attributes and that's why it's a bid'ah, it's an innovation to ask about it because the companions didn't do so the second benefit sea water is purifying without exception unless there is a restriction from other hadith which will come later meaning unless it is changed by a filth in it otherwise it is purifying so if it is mixed with other things such that it doesn't change its color, odor or taste then it stays purifying the third benefit the good manner of teaching of the Prophet and his answer giving the most comprehensive answers concise and comprehensive 
he had been given, and this is a distinction, a distinction for the Prophet والسلام, he had been given the most concise yet most comprehensive of wording and statements and that's why he said look its water is purifying this is the third benefit the fourth benefit from this hadith is permissibility of giving additional response that is not mentioned originally the, 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 the cause or there was no question regarding it it's permissible to add for the sake of benefit even if someone did not ask about such a matter or a particular matter so he added the second statement Al-Hillu Maytatuhu meaning its dead animals are lawful meaning to eat why did he add this the Prophet because they, the, these same people fa- were facing the problem of the issue of using the water for wudu and therefore it may come also that they it will be a problem for them as to what lives in this sea is it permissible to eat or not suppose seeing a dead fish floating on the surface of the water and that's why the Prophet ﷺ taught them then the ruling concerning Maytatul Bahr, the dead animal of the sea yet they didn't even ask about it the fifth benefit all fish and types of fish are lawful because the Prophet ﷺ said Maytatuhu it's dead animals and Mayta is a singular and this singular comes in the grammatical context of conjunction and thus it entails generality so all that in the sea from fish and otherwise whales are halal and tahir are halal lawful and tahir pure how did we come to know that it is tahir this is deducted immediately from the saying of the Prophet that it is halal because we have in Islam the following beneficial foundation كُلُّ حَلَالٍ فَهُوَ طَاهِرٍ everything that is halal is lawful then it is tahir, it's pure and وَلَيْسَ كُلُّ طَاهِرٍ حَلَالًا and the opposite is not true meaning not every tahir is halal, is lawful and كُلُّ نَجِسٍ فَهُوَ حَرَامٍ every filthy thing is unlawful and the opposite is not true meaning not every haram is filthy so our saying كُلُّ حَلَالٍ طَاهِرٍ every halal thing is pure is clear however لَيْسَ كُلُّ طَاهِرٍ حَلَالٍ as to the opposite which is not true not everything which is pure is lawful take for example 
harmful things like poison, like smoking, the smoke, the and the like. These are pure, yet they are haram, unlawful. Hashish, hashish, which is one type of of drugs, is pure according to the correct opinion. And similarly, alcoholic privileges, according to the correct opinion, are pure but unlawful. Our saying, "Kullu najisin haram," every filthy thing is unlawful. The evidence for this is in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-An'am chapter 6 verse 145 Say O Muhammad I find not in that which has been revealed to me anything forbidden to eat by one who wishes to eat unless it be a dead animal or blood poured forth mean by slaughtering and the like or the flesh of swine pork for that surely is impure or impious unlawful meat of an animal which is slaughtered as a sacrifice for other than Allah but whosoever is faced by necessity without willful, willful disobedience no transgressing the due limits for him certainly your Lord is oft forgiving so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it clear that the reason behind these things being unlawful making them unlawful is the najasa is the filth and therefore this indicates clearly that every filthy thing is haram this is from the textual proof and from the intellectual proof if it is incumbent upon us to remove this filth from open places then what about our inner meaning inside us and then لَيْسَ كُلُّ حَرَامٍ نَجِسٍ not every unlawful thing is filth and this is true like smoking tobacco and assume poison and the like all of this is haram unlawful yet not filthy so we learn now from this hadith that all the dead in the sea that animals of the sea are halal those alive and those dead as well if someone asks the question what do you say about if this particular animal in the sea is from the kind of prey animals is it halal or not 
The answer, it is halal. There are animals, certain animals, and fish from fish and whales in the sea, which may attack man and may even eat him up, as the prey animal does on the land. هل هذه حرام? Are these unlawful? The answer is not. Is no. Even though it may be in the form of a snake or in the form of a bug, it is permissible because of the general evidence. Now, if someone comes and asks the question, هل في القرآن ما يدل على حل ميتة البحر? Is there in the Quran evidence to indicate the permissibility of eating the meita of the sea, the dead of the sea? The answer is yes. And it is in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 96. Lawful to you is the pursuit of water game and its use for food, for the benefit of yourselves and those who travel. Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, said in the tafsir, in the explaining of the word ta'amuhu, its food, he said, إِنَّهُ مَا أُخِذَ مَيْتًا That which is taken dead, meaning from the sea. Now, suppose that a water may change. It changes by the presence of a dead fish in it could it still be purifying? yes it still is purifying because it's changed with something pure halal and therefore it has no harm <laughs> then he said the okay then he said at the end please yani the jazakallah khair if we can ease the pm that would be good um, then he said al hafiz bin hajar at the end of the hadith akhrajahu al arba'a now he's giving us al hafiz bin hajar the sources that collected this hadith that it was collected by Al-Arba'a, meaning Abu Dawood, Al-Tirmidhi, Al-Nasai, and Ibn Majah. And Ibn Abi Shayba reported it. Virgin is of the Ibn Shayba. And Ibn Khuzayma and Al-Tirmidhi graded as Sahih, Sound, Malik, Al-Shafi, and Ahmad also reported it. And now, we learn a benefit concerning the Hadith, from the Hadith sciences now that here he said that Ibn Shaiba reported it after mentioning the four collectors of hadith Abu Dawood and At-Tirmidhi and Nasai and Ibn Majah sometimes it is the practice of the scholars of hadith to relate the wording from someone who may be on a lesser degree 
in terms of his rank in authority of hadith or correctness why because the wording could be more comprehensive and therefore they will choose that such wording although it may be related by one who is more knowledgeable concerning the hadith and its degrees however it may be there reported in in brevity or the context is not clear or the like so the scholars of hadith can choose the wording even if it comes from one who is lesser in rank from the others because of the uh, smoothness and comprehensibility of the context then he said and it was authenticated degraded as sahih and note that al-hadith al-sahih with respect to its definition and its condition is the one that comprises five conditions five conditions are to be met for a hadith to be declared sahih first of all the narrators the condition of the narrators must be trustworthy narrators second that should be perfect in preservation of the text memory and in record and that the senad, the isnad, the chain must be linked not disconnected fourthly that it should be safe from shudud and linguistically the term shudud or ashad is an munfarid which is the singular technically the narrator if this occurs under these circumstances the narrator may be reporting it in a way which is in opposite to that reported by one who is more trustworthy or more reliable reporter so it must be free from this issue which is called shudud end of quote irregularity and the fifth condition it, it must be safe from any impairing defect so this is the definition of the conditions that are required to satisfy the authentic hadith if all the conditions are met except that of the preservation meaning one of the narrators may be light in his preservation then the hadith okay no problem no problem inshallah then the hadith will be considered it will be moved from the level of sahih to al-hasan to good and now if the trustworthiness quality is shaken then it moves to be daif 
weak. And if the preservation is completely shaken, then in this case, it will turn also da'if, it will be considered da'if. And similarly with the chain of narration. And also with the irregularity concept. And with the impairing defect. That all will make it into, will take it to the state of ba'af or weakness. All this applies even if the hadith is narrated in the books which are called books of sahih. Take for example, that which is reported in Sahih Muslim concerning the Salat al-Kusuf, the manner of prayer in Salat al-Kusuf, in the prayers pertaining to the eclipse of the sun or the moon. In that there was the report that the Prophet ﷺ prayed three rak'ahs in the main rak'ah. In each rak'ah he prayed three rak'ahs. Although this is in Sahih Muslim, yet it is shaz, it is irregular. Because Al-Bukhari left it. And both Muslim and Al-Bukhari in one report were in agreement that in each rak'ah is two. And from a historical perspective, the historians are in agreement that the Prophet ﷺ did not pray except one time the prayers of eclipse. And therefore now, it's ruled that other than the two rak'ah, the reports other than the two in one rak'ah is Shaz is irregular. Similarly, in the other hadith reported by Muslim concerning the ascension, it, it differed with the agreed upon report between Bukhari and Muslim, and that's why it was considered in that single report by Muslim to be Shaz, to be irregular. Also from that, take an example, is the report in, in Muslim, concerning that Bedouin who came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked him about what is dutiful upon him to perform from Islam and the Prophet ﷺ said you perform salah, you perform zakah, you perform all the obligatory things then he said I'm not going to exceed on that, that's it there the Prophet ﷺ said in this report reported by Muslim aflaha وَأَبِيهِ in صَدَقْ Truly he'll be successful وَأَبِيهِ by his father if he was truthful on sticking meaning to these obligatory matters. This word وَأَبِيهِ swearing by his father did not come in Al-Bukhari. However, it came in one report from the reports of Muslims. And that's why it is considered as irregular. So, even though this kind of irregularity may exist in an authentic book, 
with this degree of authenticity as in Sayyid Muslim however the issue of wahm you know delusion is possible on every human no one is infallible from this also the hadith to be authentic must be safe from the impairing defects which depreciate the basis of the hadith or if it is in the chain of narration however the one which is not impairing a defect may be considered not impairing like for example when the narrators had different reports concerning the price of Jabir's camel which the Prophet bought from Jabir it was reported to be an ounce or ounces or five ounces etc this is not this doesn't cause any harm to the hadith in terms of the authenticity and the like from the other benefits as well of this hadith قال أهل العلم the people of knowledge said that this hadith is considered نصف علم الطهارة this hadith is considered half the knowledge concerning the purification in fact, this was the saying of Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah. The other benefit which we came across very quickly is that the seawater is purifying, it lifts the minor hadith, the minor ritual impurity, and the major, and also it removes the najasa, the filth, which may befall on a pure place, like a body or a garment. or a spot or ever the third benefit also which we can learn is that the water if it is changed by its taste, its changes or its color or its odor by something tahir, something pure then it stays on its purity as long as it stays on its natural essence even though its degree of salinity or heat temperature or coolness may change it stays pure the hadith also tells us that all the animals of the sea animals although it may resemble the form of that which may be unlawful like the snake or the pig or the dog all it stays however lawful and not filthy even if it dies and from this also there is another benefit that this hadith specifies the general prohibition that came in the Quran in Surah Al-Ma'idah 5.3 prohibiting dead animals there is a general prohibition in 5.3 حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةِ 
that animal had been ordained unlawful for you to eat. This hadith tells us that this ayah is general. Now it is being specified by a hadith, by sunnah. Also it, we came across the fact that it was also specified, restricted to, uh, in this generality was restricted by another verse in the Quran which is 596 and from this now you learn a good benefit that Quranic texts can restrict generalities here and there as well as the Sunnah. Another benefit back to the issue when we talked about giving an additional statement for the case of a benefit if someone is asked about something and he answers the question and then asks something of a benefit then alhamdulillah this is a practice in the Quran as well as it is in Surah Al-Baqarah 2.15 they ask you O Muhammad as to what they should spend Allah answered them as to what they should spend not only that but also as upon whom they should spend say whatever you spend of good then the distribution must be for parents and kindred and orphans and al-masakeen the poor and the wayfarers and whatever you do of good deeds to the end of the verse so there are additional benefits in the answer which they originally didn't ask about This style has been used by the scholars of Islam and particularly particularly those who read in the books of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah will find this to be present in all of his books. He would mention similar cases to that which is being asked similar cases and then you read and you think oh where is Shaykh al-Islam going this has apparently nothing to do with the question then after a while you will really come to the conclusion what a great benefit I learned from going around going and bringing these other similar cases and in this sense the person at the end will make dua for Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah and for all the scholars of Islam who utilize this methodology this uh, brings the end of uh, the discussion concerning this hadith and inshallah tomorrow we'll go over the second hadith I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this stay a beneficial stay for myself and for all of you and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward our Shaykh for his explanation as well as the other uh, ulama, scholars of Islam who also uh, pointed to uh, other benefits concerning this hadith and which also related to you some of their sayings particularly uh, Sheikh Abdullah al-Bassam Abdullah al-Bassam was one of the he died recently in Mecca and he had an extensive explanation of Bulugh al-Maram very excellent explanation of Bulugh al-Maram rahimahullah Okay, then this uh, brings the uh, topic tonight to an end. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.